Continuing our discussion of Chaitanya Charitamrita, the conversation between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy. Prabhusnam Krityogori Achin Vosia, Ek Pritya Sange Roy, Milila Asia, Namaskar Koila Roy, Prabhu Koila Alingani, Nuijane Krishna Kata Kai Rastane. Here it's described that. After taking his bath in the evening, Mahaprabhu sat down and waited for Ramananda Roy to come. Then, Roy Ramananda, accompanied by a servant, arrived. So this is the meeting between Roy Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that was arranged by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu earlier in the day. <clears throat> earlier in the day, as we heard, he arrived at the uh, banks of the Godavari River. Hmm. It's described earlier that um, when he saw the Godavari, he thought it was the Jamuna, and the whole of the vicinity turned into Vrindavan. This is very characteristic of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and of very extreme prem. Um, as we progress, then the tipping point um, that takes us from this world to the next hmm, will um, become, how do you say, hmm, it will occur more readily Hmm? Um now if we go to Kirtan and we hear get a little absorbed here, good class and something we may mind may become absorbed a little bit for a while and feel some, some bliss. <clears throat> but as time goes on of course then and and it'll take less to cause transcendental experience and here Mahabharata has very deep experience and very little to cause it. He saw a river. Hmm? You understand? So the river transported him to the Jamuna hmm? and the whole area turned into Vrindavan. Hmm? And out comes Ramananda Roy. <laughs> Vishaka Gopi and Krishna Leela. So the meeting of Krishna and Vishaka Gopi in not another Leela, as we've heard many times, but an extraordinary extension of Krishna Leela for a special purpose hmm? that Krishna might experience, get some hands-on experience of what it is that uh, uh, constitutes Radha's bhav, hmm? how his sweetness appears to her, hmm? 
what is the nature of her uh, bliss and so forth. <clears throat> this is his his pursuit. And <clears throat> as we said, he's gone to South India ostensibly to find his brother and to, and to um, pursue the sannyas dharma unhindered by friends and close associates and so forth, which who didn't like him to be as a sannyasi, which would cause some distance between himself and them. But in fact, the real reason he went south was to find Ramananda Roy. This is the high point, not only in the tour of South India, but in one sense the, in, in the, of the whole whole book. Hmm. And it was brought about by Ramananda Roy, excuse me, by Sarvabhauma Bhattacharya, who told him to meet with Ramananda Roy. So they met earlier in the day. Mahabharata was bathing and Ramananda was coming on a palanquin surrounded by so many associates and um, he was uh, treated with much uh, pomp and pampered and so forth uh, because he was a government uh, minister. Hmm? And so it was quite a contrast between the two and their bathing uh, ritual. Hmm. And so on a level of socio-religious consideration, they were uh, in many respects at different ends of the spectrum. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi. Sannyasi is uh, transcendent to the uh, the um, the influence of the modes of nature, which is what the Varnashram Dharma is concerned with. Um, and uh, Ramananda Roy on the other end was from a, was a type of Sudra Varna hmm, that's on the low end of the Varnashram, so they're at different ends of the spectrum in that respect. And also in that Mahaprabhu was a sannyasi or a tyagi or an unseate. And as it is with the king, so it is with the representative of the king and a government officer that it represents a position of material opulence and, and enjoyment. You may know that um, when Chaitanya Dev will return to Puri, there's quite a extended discussion that weaves through different chapters of the Madhya Leela, consecutive chapters, um, as to uh, King Pratapurudu Maharaj, the Gajapati Raj, the elephant king, the king of elephants, the, as he said, a powerful king in, uh, in Jagannath Puri. Uh, the king wanted to have, the, he became a devotee, he wanted to have the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but the very name king was repugnant to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because it represented worldliness. He was a sannyasi. And so, of course, Sarvabhum was in the middle and he made a special arrangement that and Nityananda Prabhu also that the king could get the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But the point here only is that Ramananda Roy carried on a, being carried on a palanquin and so forth because he was a government officer and he was like a little feudal type of uh, king, hmm? like a governor 
as opposed to the president, something like that, an American political system, or like a parliament member as opposed to the prime minister. Um, but he was treated very opulently, and he was in a very um, worldly posture from a social point of view. So they were, again, at opposite ends of the spectrum. And there wasn't um, much cause for them to be intimately uh, associated, if associated at all. Hmm. But what happened was Mahabhu saw Ramananda and he could understand from seeing him this is who Sarvabhoma was talking about when he said, you have to meet Ramananda Roy. And Ramananda saw Chaitanya Mahabhu and he described that he looked like a million suns, hmm? so effulgent. Hmm? He could understand, here is, is Bhagwan, And they embraced one another. And Krishna, Krishna came from their, their mouths. Hmm? And they wept, and their hair stood on end, and they trembled, and all kind of sattvika bhavas manifested in their in their bodies. And the witnesses of all the brahmins and uh, king's attendants and so forth were shocked. They didn't know what to make of this. Why is a sannyasi embracing the uh, the, uh, the government um, representative? And why is the learned um, government officer, Ramananda Roy, weeping like a child and, and emotionally so aroused and so forth upon seeing a sannyasi? So this was something they had no experience of. Hmm? Even theoretically, arguably, they were unacquainted with what that could possibly be all about. After all, it was a very high thing that, as we mentioned, the learned and converted Sarvabhoma had some insight into. Hmm? But if Sarvabhoma did not understand what really what Ramananda Roy was about, certainly the others, uh, these attendants, weren't as astute and thoughtful and deep as the Bhattacharya. They could not understand that here he was then his coming out, so to speak, what he was really all about, raging inside of him, uh, was coming out and meeting with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And so they saw things that they they were totally un- unacquainted with. They didn't know if it was right or wrong. It seemed improper from a social religious point of view, and um, and at the same time, um, they themselves began to chant Krishna, Krishna. Hmm? spontaneously, and they began to weep hmm, and feel ecstasy. Hmm. So this, in this extraordinary meeting where now Mahaprabhu and Ramananda wanted to exchange th- thoughts and notes and, and they were meeting out of destiny in consideration of the very purpose of their leela. Hmm. This Gore Leela, Gore Krishna Leela. They could not do so, hmm, pursue what their meeting was ultimately about in the company of so many people who were uninformed and uh, 
didn't have the yadikar, the eligibility to uh, enter into mysteries of their their union and um, what they would what they would discuss. So Mahaprabhu said, "Please, uh, you." Uh, come, let us come here in the evening in a secluded place and we'll meet again and talk. And, well, actually, before he, he made that proposal, a Brahmin arrived who was of an appropriate social status that, according to the social system of the time, that, that it was it would have been um, proper for... Mahaprabhu to take lunch at his house and for him to make the offer. So he came offered, and that then gave Mahaprabhu the opportunity to say, let us meet again in the evening, and this is another place, the implication is where we can have the kind of discussion that we're destined to have. Hmm? And so, therefore, here it is mentioned that what... Hmm, Namaskar koila roi prabhu koila alingane. Dui jane krishna katak hai rahasthani. When they met, Ramananda paid obeisances, Mahaprabhu offered respects to him, and they, he embraced him. Ramananda offered obeisances, Mahaprabhu embraced him, and they began to talk, and here it is mentioned, Rahi Raha Stane, in a quiet, secluded, secret place. So these kind of talks are very confidential, is the point. They are not for the general uh, public. And as we hear the talks of Ramananda Roy with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it will progressively deeper in terms of what the goal of life is and what the means to attain it is. It will move from external religious considerations that some people feel are the be-all and end-all of spiritual life to unheard-of topics uh, really or never-revealed-before understandings of the sacred text um, um, prior to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Advent. So, as we go, then people will drop off. <laughs> I'll get off here. I should get off here. <laughs> and so, it requires some eligibility. Not everybody could take part, is the point. So, they're in a quiet, secluded place. Hmm? Of course, we should hear, theoretically, and ascertain our own eligibility and know the course, so to speak. Um, but confidential talks, they are. Hmm? Again, ultimately, Ramananda Roy is going to ad- advise Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about um, how to attain the Gopi Bhava that he's appeared for the purpose of. This is now a hands-on, systematic beginning of a hands-on, systematic culture of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in early stages, we can say. Hmm? Uh, this is not in the Gambira, but what is talked about here is what Mahaprabhu will, uh, will ultimately pursue 
in the Gambira. He'll hear this, he'll go on Sankirtan and tour a bit, and then uh, what is ultimately discussed here, he'll enter into. Hmm? <clears throat> so, the uh, Mahaprabhu said, Prabhu Kahe, Padashloka Sadyer Ninai. He says, Mahaprabhu says, can you recite a verse that um, talks about that uh, which is worthy of attainment? What is the aim of life? Hmm? Here, now, they're um, uh, talking about the aim, the goal of life. They're actually, um, apparently from different statuses in the social structure, socio-religious structure, but they're actually um, on, the, on the same uh, spiritual platform. But the talks will begin on the low end and go to the high end, but all of them, the point here, and what the first thing that Mahaprabhu says is, they should come from uh, whatever you say, should be supported by the scripture. So there are things that cannot be known hmm, other than by revelation. This is the idea of the scripture. So we, we turn there to know about them. Hmm. Um, and with whatever Ramananda Roy will speak, whatever position he'll put forward, he'll quote some verse to, to support that hmm, from the sacred text until he gets to the point where he goes off the scriptural map. Hmm. But now that we're Gaudiya Vaishnavism this, uh, this, uh, um, finds its, um, its, its real um, place, <laughs> is, at ho- is at home. Shudibhya-bhibhrigyam, hmm? this is the whole idea. When Uddhava came to Vrindavan, he said, this is off the map here, scripturally, what they're doing here. Hmm? We try to bring it on the map to some extent, for the preaching sake, but really, it's practically speaking off the map. But this idea of Vrindavan, they don't study the Vedas there. They don't study the Upanishads there. Of course, they're living the Bhagavat. Hmm? That's why we make the Bhagavat our principal form of evidence. Hmm? That's another interesting, of course, argument of Jiva Goswami's. But Abhru, anyway, wants that to speak authoritatively. So Prabhupada used to refer to the scriptures as a, as a scripture as a standard of knowledge that would be referred to like law books. Often he would give the example if you would cite in the court, Your Honor, I think he's guilty because the law says this in such and such time and another time it says this and so forth. And putting it together in that way, I make the case, I think he's guilty. If another person on the other side says, I just think and feel and wish that you would, you would make him not guilty because I really feel that he's just not guilty. Hmm. That person's presentation will not have any any par- power or merit hmm, in the courtroom. It's not how you think or feel necessarily, but what does the law say? Hmm. Well, is, there, is there a standard of knowledge that we may refer to? How do we know um, what we know? Hmm? So... Of course, I've often said the the analogy that probably used to cite at first sounds rather stiff, but 
for for the beginner, it's not, it, it gives a sense of security. Oh, we have these books of Revelation, and all the answers are there, and that's very because I didn't know what was the answer, and now I'm very secure. I I can just turn to the book and and get the answer. Of course, when we turn to the book, we see oh, it can be spoken mean different things and at different times, and it be applied in different ways and so forth. But at the, the, with the analogy of the law books, that probably to cite the same holds true. So the law is interpreted, and uh, relative to the to the to the crime, let's say, and the crime may be unique. The law may say, if you murder, then this has to happen to you. But what if you murder by accident? Now we have to think about that, and then we new law is made based on the previous law without overturning previous law, in consideration of it, hmm, what the implications of it should be, why it is that, for example, if you murder, this should happen to you, why we, you know, why that's the law, and so on and so forth. Then you extend the law, and new laws are made. So it's such the nature of revelation as well. It's, it's ongoing, and Gaudiya Vaishnavism is an example of ongoing revelation. The Chaitanya Charitamrita, or, or, which is based, according to Krishna Skaviraj Goswami, on Chaitanya, Chaitanya Bhagavat, which he defers to um, uh, repeatedly. Um, Chaitanya Bhagavat is called, well, Chaitanya Bhagavat. It means, Bhagavat means the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So you have the Srimad Bhagavatam, and you have the Chaitanya Bhagavat, means it is the extension of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is all about Krishna's Leela, which Gaur Leela is an extension of, so there has to be an extension of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? It's, an, it's, a, it's, it's the story of the life of, of Bhagavan Sri Krishna, ultimately, who is the Ashrai Tattva, and his different avatars and what they do, and, and so on and so forth. But it's not a, it's not a, it doesn't have a beginning and an end. It has no beginning. It has no end. Hmm? So, this is another uh, chapter uh, and after an end note, a huge end note, or a, a huge um, um, encore appearance appendix, um, it's and it's 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 big enough to eclipse the whole previous uh, description of of, of Krishna Lila practically. So, um, so there's a standard of knowledge, sacred texts, and they should be cited in, in spiritual circles like ours um, in order to support one's point. And this is how we see how the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita, of course, is written with reference to the Bhagavatam, and he'll reference the Gita here, and uh, Vishnu Purana, and some of the verses compiled by great, great souls, composed by great souls, and so forth. Um, so this is the living, ongoing, living, breathing tradition of revelation. <clears throat> Mahabharu calls for this standard. So, so tell us what the goal of life is, and anyone doing so, give us a, give us a, keep us on the scriptural uh, map. Mm-hmm. This is where we'll find out such a thing. If we are to know comprehensively, if we are to attain perfect knowledge, then there has to be a perfect method. This is the principle I've often cited. And so perfect method is that my mind is not perfect for knowing, my senses are not perfect for knowing, my reasoning unto itself is not perfect for knowing, and we know this. Hmm. 
we may know something with our senses and with reasoning hmm, that we're sure about, but we're not sure that it applies everywhere, in all times, in all circumstances. All we know is that it, it really that it works for us, like math, two and two is four. It works for us in terms of accomplishing something. Hmm? And it's, it's a human perspective. <laughs> what is it, you know, how is the world looked at from a mosquito perspective or some alien perspective or who knows what? Um, so, really the senses are imperfect. Reasoning is, is, uh, is it cannot, uh, by, by, by it we cannot arrive at conclusive truth. It ultimately means we cannot arrive at something that will make us perfectly satisfied. Hmm? Reason, as I've often said, is a proceed-with-caution type of knowing. Hmm? It's not the free-flowing movement that uh, one experiences in a, in, where reason is not required. There is knowing. I know my mother loves me, so uh, what she tells me uh, as a, in my childhood is, uh, is good for me. I don't have to ask why. And reason about it necessarily. Hmm. So at home, then, uh, we don't proceed with caution. Is the idea? So any readily, it's understood. I think accepted by any thoughtful person that reason is inconclusive. Ultimately, yeah, sense perception is inconclusive, can be imperfect, and so forth. So, if there is a perfect way of knowing. For those of us whose knowing is now imperfect, it's reasonable <laughs> to conclude that we will have to ha if there is perfect knowledge, there has to be a perfect way of knowing. So the imperfect means that we've talked about um, will be insufficient. And we're back to, so if perfection wants to reveal itself to the imperfect, then it has, it, it, because it's perfect, it can do such a thing. If the fine infinite wants the finite to know, the finite can know. Otherwise, the finite has, will have a difficult time knowing the infinite. So this is the principle of revelation. It's not just talking about some old books in an ancient language. They're difficult to, to understand, perhaps. Um, and Mahabhu's bringing this within that. If we want to know the goal of life... Um, and become perfectly happy, we have to have a perfect method. So let us refer to Revelation. And Ramananda Roy was a very learned person, so he replied, says, Rai kohe, swadharma charane vishnu bhakti hai. He says, that according to the scripture, my um, reply to you, sir, is that uh, you should one should follow their dharma. Hmm? And um, and this constitutes uh, Vishnu Bhakti. He says, Dharma, Swadharma Charane, Vishnu Bhakti Hai. Hmm? And he quotes a verse. Varna ashram a charabata purushena 
Sankara Puman Vishnur Aradite Panta Nanyatat Tosha Karanam. Vishnu is worshipped by the proper execution of prescribed duties in the system of Varnanashram. There is no other way to satisfy him. One must be situated in the institution of Varnanashram. So this is not going to satisfy Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's thirst for knowing the goal of life. Hmm? And we'll explain why, but um, here for three or four, four or five of the statements that um, Ramananda Roy will make and support with scripture, Mahaprabhu will reject him. He say that that's external. That's external. Say something else. That's external. Say something else. Finally, he'll say something and Mahaprabhu says, that's okay. Let's, now let's build on that. Hmm? So first, so he's going to talk really, really about the ultimate game of, aim of life and how to attain it by talking about that which is not it, but which people often think is, and this verse seems to say, confirm it is. So we talked about, well, we have to go to the scripture. Here's a verse that says, Varnashram is the only way, and you, and you please Vishnu, and, and that's it. Hmm? Um, so, therefore, what? We need to hear from the scripture. Hmm? And when we say we need to hear from the scripture, means something more than reading the scripture, which is also good. Hmm? We need to hear from someone who can say, did you understand? And can explain why the verse speaks like this here and what it, what it, what it means and who, what, what audience it may be speaking to and so on and so forth. Because the audience is large. People have all different levels of eligibility and interest in spiritual life or, or lack of, of it uh, thereof. And, uh, and so there are different, uh, statements from scripture and different paths and different what we might call interim goals along the way or uh, uh, possible goals of attainment that will be appealing to them, make sense to them to get them involved and so forth. Hmm? This is from Vishnu Purana. It's not one of our main books. It is a main book of the um, Ramanuja Sampradaya. Remember our main book is the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Varnashram is also described in the Bhagavatam hmm? in a number of places. Um, but it's uh, described for the purpose of showing the contrast between Varnashram Dharma and the Prema Dharma of, um, of the Bhagavatam and of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give, uta, utam, ut, teach Uttam Bhakti. Hmm? So you'll find sometimes what he would cite from the Bhagavatam. It says like this, Varnashram, but they don't understand the context. And it's like the Gita weaves in that way. And says, this is, uh, you're going to do this, and, uh, uh, and practice this, and give up this. And, and uh, what, ba- what Gita is about, Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm? Become my devotee. Hmm? Offer prayers to me. Pay your respect to me. Love me. That's what the Gita is about. Hmm? It's not about philosophy. 
How much philosophy is there in bowing your head on the floor? Hmm? How much philosophy is in, is there in in, um, in in becoming a devotee? Well, there's a lot, I guess, but <laughs> but I mean acts of devotion. Hmm? Manmana, think about me. Put your mind on me. Stop thinking about philosophy. Ultimately, he says, even. Hmm? We may have to do philosophy to get our mind to think about Krishna ultimately, but ultimately, hmm? how much philosophy is there in chanting? Hmm? There may be philosophy that underlies what is the chanting, but the actual act of chanting, hmm? that's another thing. Hmm? So this is what the Gita is about. Analoid bhakti, ahaituki bhakti, ananya bhakti. But sometimes it speaks about jnana yoga, karma yoga, jnana yoga, karma mishra, jnana mishra, yoga mishra bhakti, hmm? personal liberation, all kinds of things. But if you studied carefully under good guidance, you see it's talking about <coughs> that which it wants to showcase directly and that which it wants to showcase the same thing indirectly by contrasting with what what it's not and why not and so forth. So so here's a verse that anyway that says that that says and Ramanandra cited Varnashram do Varnashram act according to your physical and psycho psychological uh, makeup that is um, a combination of the gunas hmm, for which uh, the scripture has given certain prescribed duties hmm? and uh, by performing them hmm, Vishnu will be pleased. This is Vishnu Bhakti and um, so you should do Varnashram for Vishnu Bhakti. Something like that. Hmm? But as I say, Mahaprabhu will say this is external. Hmm? Say something more. Um Why? Because this speaks about the general idea of religion that m- that most people have. Most people, regardless of whether they're Hindus or uh, Muslims or um, uh, Christians, Jewish people, as may be the case, most people think. And the big, big, big onslaught from the new type of you know new, new atheism, if you will, which is not any really new arguments, but new thrust. That we've seen in in, in in recent years with some books and debates and things that, that have come out um, is against the general basic idea of religion, which is by performing religion, by by executing religion, I will get things. Hmm? My life will be better. I should do this, and if I do that, my life will improve materially. This is called sakama. Hmm? Right? Religion for things. Hmm? And as we've often said, we're not a thing in a sense, so it has nothing to do with us. Hmm? What to speak of Krishna? How can Varnashram have nothing to do with Krishna? Well, Krishna himself says it in the Gita. He says, Chatu Varnamaya Shushtam Guna karma vibhagasa. 
I have Chaturvanyamashtam. I have Shrishtam. I have created the system of Varna and Ashram. Hmm? Chaturvarna Maya Shishtam Guna Karma Vibhagasa. Tasya Kataram Apimam Vidya Kataram Avayam. But although I am the founder of it, Vidya Kataram Avayam, I've got nothing to do with it. That's what he really says. Hmm? I'm, I'm Avayam hmm? Akataram. Hmm? I'm a, I'm beyond it. I'm not involved. I'm not the non-doer. I'm transcendent. He's really saying, I created this system, but it's not about me. Hmm? It's about people who are interested in things hmm? and trying to gradually wean them from the things by telling them, if you do like this and curtail certain activities, then you'll get things. Hmm? things that you want and that are really worthy, you'll get. Hmm? And also, you'll get them from the God, Vishnu. Hmm? He'll provide them. He'll be pleased with you. Something like this. Hmm? This, again, doesn't have much to do with ourselves as an Atma, what to speak of Krishna. It's external to the self. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? Varnashram is an identity based, it deals with an, with an identity that's constituted of the modes of nature. Hmm? We have a, uh, a metaphysical false ego, we have a metaphysical real ego, we could say. Hmm? Our present sense of self as an American or Indian or a man or woman and so forth is all part of the metaphysical false ego within the metaphysical false ego is a psychological ego. Hmm? You could say within the metaphysical real ego is also a psychological ego. Hmm? A person has a psychology. Right? In order to dismantle the metaphysical false ego, the False ego's psychological ego has to be healthy. Hmm? That's what we call sattva. And that's what the system of Varnashram seeks, to bring some material balance hmm? by understanding the influence of the modes of nature and engaging a person in duties of life uh, accordingly. Hmm? So if one is in the sudra varn and performs the sudra uh, duties and so forth, he gets a result similar to the Brahman who performs his duties. He comes into balance. Hmm? And Vishnu is pleased because people are happy. Hmm? That's how much he's pleased. Well, they may be an illusion, but at least they're happy. <laughs> Something like that. Like a father says, well, at least he's happy. Whatever. Hmm? So, <laughs> so some, say he gets some pleasure from that. Dharma, of course, is evaluated in the Bhagavatam by some siddhir haritoshanam, the extent to which Hari is pleased. So he's a little pleased by that. Vishnu is a little pleased by that. When Krishna says, I set up the system, he's talking about Vishnu. Therefore, it said, from the head of Vishnu come the Brahmins, from the arms of Vishnu come the Kshatriyas, from the stomach comes the, and so on, and legs, and, and so on. Hmm? This is Vishnu, the Lord of the world. 
Hmm? Krishna's in another world. Hmm? Uh, he says in Gita number places, I do this, I do that, and he's speaking about that form of himself hmm, that's appearing for that uh, purpose, hmm, for, this, for this sense, for the world, for, for the Shristi, Shristi Leela and so forth. So this the, the Varnashram is created for that. Hmm? And, uh, and Vishnu, yeah, he'll be a little pleased. Hmm? If people follow the Varnashram, because people will become happy. They'll become balanced. And also, it's not just about psychological balance hmm? and, and the material prosperity that comes. And what is material prosperity? Material prosperity really is just happiness. Like you can find people in, here in Costa Rica, they're not very rich or anything, like, but they're happy. They got their family and things work and, you know, they have the food on the table and, and so forth. And um, uh, so there's a uh, good, good life, something like that. Hmm? Like Juan will say, say, how are you doing? Juan says, you know, uh, by the gr- grace of God, I've got work. By the grace of God, I've got work. No, life is good. Hmm? This is the general idea of religion. By the grace of God, I've got work, so therefore I can provide uh, for my family, and it's working. Hmm? So <laughs> this is the this is kind of the idea, uh, an extended idea of Varnashram, um, of a basic general idea of God, a basic idea of of uh, religion, a human life colored by religion. But it's not just, as as I say, it's not just about psychological balance, but this is a system in which psychological balance is aimed at with an understanding at the same time that by that you will prosper materially, have a happy, wholesome life, and you'll be pleasing Vishnu who ultimately you want to go to. Hmm? So the Varnashram, implicit in the Varnashram, is the idea that the perfect execution of the Varnashram involves transcending it. Therefore the sannyasi transcends from dharma and, and the action. Dharma means religious, so to speak, dutiful, uh, and karma same means the action. So sometimes they say dharma, sometimes they say karma. We're speaking of karma, we mean here pious acts according to the scriptural injunctions, according to the varna and ashram, one is in and so forth. Hmm. Um, uh, 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 the the perfection of that system is the sannyasi. The, the doing it right, you you. Well, there's a couple ways to work on it, but if you, we'll get to that. But when you do it right perfectly, there's two ways of doing it right. I should say, hmm? one way of doing it right is for a hundred lifetimes you do it right, perfectly. What do you get by that? It said, if for a hundred lifetimes you perfectly execute the Varnashram Dharma, you get to take birth as a Brahma. Hmm? So you could see that the perfect execution of Sakama, Varnashram Dharma, performing Varnashram Dharma to fulfill one's desires, hmm? and at the same time bringing one's desires in a general way in harmony with, with 
into godliness. Hmm? So there may be certain desires that don't fit in the Varnashram, so, and, we, and you know, we don't do those. Hmm? But then ones that are really worth doing that give you food and a happy family life and good sons and daughters and, and, and that kind of thing. So there is some curtailment, <coughs> not too much, just the things that people ad- admit are, uh, even irreligious people will admit are wrong. Hmm? Stealing, even atheists teach their kids don't steal, don't, uh, Ten Commandments, <laughs> they basically teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, love your neighbor, whatever, mm-hmm. these type of things. Um, so, a hundred t- lifetimes of performing it, what do you get? You get to be a Brahma. Mm-hmm. And what is the, where is that? You're still in the material world and Brahma has to die. Mm-hmm. So, this is, the, this is Marnashram. Mm-hmm. This is how far you go with it. Mm-hmm. You can go to heaven, you come back down, you go to heaven, come back down, go to go to go to Brahma Lok, be a Brahma. Hmm? Apuna what is it? A Brahma Bhubanalak Punara Vartino Arjuna. Mamu Peta Kuntaya Punajanamana Bidite. All he says, all the lokas, all the planes of experience, up the Brahma Loka, down, down, everyone has to die. Hmm? has to come back again. But to come to me, that's another thing. Hmm? Right? They don't return. Hmm? So, they don't return means they get, in the, just the basic sense, without going into greater detail, they get eternality. They realize that things aren't where it's at. I'm not a thing. Hmm? They get close to themselves and, and arguably closer to God because God is also consciousness not a thing. He is the, he is the substance, not the shadow that is the, the world of, of Maya, an illusion. Hmm. It's his shadow, but he's not the shadow. Hmm. So this is Varnashram Dharma. So it, it, it's it's external to the soul. What to speak of God, but in a general sense, what to speak of Krishna, um, but in a general sense, it pleases Vishnu. Hmm? Um, as I'm speaking about. And there are things in the Varnashram like um, doing japa might be, is recommended, and there are things that correspond with bhakti, a couple things. Of course, they're done within the Varnashram with a different intention. Hmm? But because they're there, some people say, Rupa Goswami teaches in Bhakti or Samrita Sindhu, that when he's speaking about dasyam, hmm, that there's dasyam in Varnashram, therefore there's bhakti in Varnashram, and Varnashram leads to bhakti. He says, not to the bhakti I'm talking about. Hmm? But what, what Ramananda is talking about here, hmm? this is from Vishnu Purana, but not what Rupa Goswami is talking about based on Srimad Bhagavatam. That is uttam bhakti. That is Krishnanushilanam, hmm? karmadi and abritam. Anukulena Krishna Anushilam Bhakti Ruttama. This is a different thing altogether. It's focused on your Varnashram sense of self, which is material, and fulfilling its desires in a way that God won't be upset and he'll be happy in just a very broad 
broad sense. Hmm? So he said, no, not by Varnashram, you don't get bhakti. But only the kind of bhakti I'm talking about comes from bhakti itself. This is brought out also when Rupa goes, this is in when he's speaking about Vaidhi Bhakti, in the end of his description of Sadhana Bhakti, where he, he, he begins to speak about Raghunuga Bhakti, and he concludes that section, which is the end of the section about... Um, Sadhana. Hmm? Vaidhi Sadhana, Raghunuga Sadhana. He ends it with Raghunuga Sadhana, the last verse of that whole, whole section, the second chapter of the first... Uh, wave of the Bhaktivedanta um, into the Eastern Wave. He says that this Raganuga Bhakti can be detained only by the mercy of the Mahats, Mahats, great souls. Mm-hmm. Only those who have, they can give, uh, give their, their mercy, then you can have it. There's no other way that, that you can develop the, the greed that gives you eligibility and so but It comes from their association. Jiva Goswami comments. He basically refers back to the idea earlier when Rupa was speaking about Vaidhi Bhakti and Dasyam. Dasyam is a kind of bhakti, Shravanam, Kirtanam, uh, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Mandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam. So Dasyam is a limb of bhakti. But the Dasyam that we find in Varnashram, that is not the limb of the Uttam Bhakti. that um, um, Rupa Goswami is, is teaching about, that Bhagavatam teaches about. This is a verse from Bhagavatam, Prahlad. Hmm? What, are the, what is the best thing his father asked that he learned? He said, Shravanam, Kirtum, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Bandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam. Iti pumsarpito, Vishnu, Bhaktis Chenna Balakshana, Kriyeti Bhagavati Adhar, Tanmanye Dittam Uttamam. And he says, this 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 is Navaveda bhakti, ninefold bhakti. You you surrender to Krishna and chant. You surrender to Krishna. Hmm? As, as we'll see as we go on, this is very different than what's being talked about in these early verses. Hmm? You surrender to Krishna and chant for his pleasure. Hmm? And you, you 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 in other words, you give yourself to Krishna. Not that you give things to Krishna. Hmm? You do things and then you offer them to Krishna. No, you give yourself to Krishna. And then you do the things that are pleasing to him. Hmm? So this is very different from Varnashram. So he makes that distinction. But Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami says that Rupa Goswami has said here that this Raghunuga Bhakti can be attained only by the grace of great souls who, who are following such uh, a path. Hmm? means that if you thought, if you doubted, perhaps, for a moment, Rupa Goswami's point earlier, that, that the Dasya of Marnashram, this is not bhakti. Bhakti is only, only bhakti gives bhakti. Hmm? Then we're, he's underscoring it here. Even if you want to think and disagree with Rupa Goswami, which some people could argue this Vishnu Purana is doing here. Hmm? You understand? Follow Varnashram, and this is Vishnu Bhakti. Hmm? These are the kind of people who think may think like that. 
Rupa Goswami says, we don't think like that. Hmm? We don't think that this, that, that Varnashram can give bhakti. Not the kind of bhakti we're talking about. Hmm? So, uh, if you should disagree, hmm, he's making a point here so that you cannot possibly disagree here with Raganuga Bhakti. Hmm? It's clear. Only by the grace of great souls can you get Rag Bhakti. Hmm? So, here he cited Varnashram. Varnashram is two, there's two, two ways to apply yourself in that. We've talked about one way, the basic way, the general way that most people are involved, and that is Sakama. Hmm? They're engaged in executing their Dharma according to the Varnashram with a desire to enjoy the fruits of their work with the idea that we're all the children of God and and dad wants everybody to be happy right why would why would a good god not want everybody to be his sons and daughters to be happy hmm? and so he's given us some laws we follow those he's happy we're happy everything's cool hmm? no problem and that's as much as god is involved in our life hmm? The main stage is down here. Hmm? And family first. Of course, we need God's help, but, you know, we, we, we bring him into the picture, uh, you know. Ultimately, we're supposed to go there, but, you know, kind of. I mean, I remember hearing that part. It wasn't my favorite part of the, of the book. You know, we go to heaven and it's better there and our, we'll take our family. That's good. That sounds good. And the fact that you might come down, well, you know, it's such a long time, you know, so we'll worry about that later. Hmm? Something like that. So this is the basic uh, religious idea. And so it, although the system is set up to such that that not only by following it perfectly can you become a Brahma, but there's another way of following that's more perfect, and that is what? To follow it, all the Dharma, all the codes and so forth, but without attachment to the fruits. Whoa, that's different. Hmm? Right? So, with attachment to the fruits is the general way. That way you stay within within ignorance. Hmm? And you think that you're a thing, basically. You're identified with the body and the psychology entirely and pursuing their needs and employing God in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the other way, then nishkam, mm -hmm. or nishkam karma, sakam karma, nishkam, kam means desire. Sakam means with desire, nishkam means without desire. Nishkam karma, and then we call it yoga. Nishkam karma, yoga. Hmm. So that's a different thing. Yoga means for connecting in this with, with regard to nishkam karma. Yoga means connecting with the self, hmm? removing the avidya hmm? shakti of Maya that causes me to think I am the body, hmm? and coming to the vidya shakti of Maya. Hmm? This is still within material existence, and you know that you're not the body. You're still not liberated. Hmm? 
Vidya-na-vidya, these are both potencies of maya. Hmm? So jnana is sattva. You understand? Jnana is sattva. Hmm? So this is the whole range of varnashram. Orientation to varnashram. For things, orientation to varnashram. Not for things, but because these are the right things to do. Hmm? And, of course, generally it's done, nishkam karma, that... I perform the the, uh, the the dharma without attachment to the results, hmm? and it's it's leading towards nirvishesh brahma. Hmm? Isn't it leading towards Krishna necessarily? Hmm? Towards gyan and towards towards sayujimukti. That's generally the, where where it it it's, it starts starts to go. So at any rate, here he's. He cited Varnashram as a possibility. And Mahabharata will, will say, no. He'll say, that is external. Say something more. Hmm? And this is why, as I say, it's external. It has nothing to do with even the, the soul. Hmm? What to speak of the soul's prospect? The soul is ultimately Jivera Swarup Hoi It's a servant. Hmm? It's a dependent entity. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Bhagavan intended it has its natural normal right condition is to be serving God mm-hmm. and serving here means loving so if you love someone you, you serve them not that you serve yourself and call that love by making a transaction business transaction I'll do these things you give me these things and so forth mm-hmm. So this is the general idea, and he starts here, and Mahaprabhu says, this is external. Hmm? That must be, must be more than that. So we, he doesn't reject the Varnashram, but he rejects Varnashram as the goal of life, and the idea that Varnashram um, is, constitutes Vishnu Bhakti. Hmm? He rejects this, these ideas. Otherwise, of course, you know, Mahaprabhu followed the Varnashram, social, religious sensibilities, as much as they did not interfere with the um, Bhagavad Dharma. If they were coming in conflict with one another, they always side with the absolute rather than the relative. We, on the other hand, of course, don't live in a Varnashram society. We can extend the basic ideas here, hmm, uh, as I say, um, to the general conception of people about God, serve God for things, God make our happy fam- family happy, and so on and so forth. And uh, um, there's there's the, the the idea of going to work and. Um, providing for the family and so on and so forth um, without attachment to the results. That's that's like so huge a leap. It is in Varnashram too. I mean, a number of people in the system itself follow the Varnashram and the number of people that are, are Sakama and Nishkam are like Nishkam is one, one in a million. Hmm? And the idea, of course, of that is that Rather than chasing the fruits, which are sometimes bitter and sometimes sweet, hmm? sometimes up, sometimes down, 
means I'm going up and down, up and down, and that's uncomfortable. Hmm? We want some stability, some security, some evenness. Hmm? If you're riding on the road and it's 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 like bumpy and sometimes sometimes you're going up and and it's sometimes going down. I, I never liked this kid, those roller coasters. Mm-hmm. I wanted like, let's just go straight. <laughs> you know? and, uh, so uh, it might seem exciting for some at a moment, but uh, but uh, these ups and downs, as, go- as good as it gets, is as bad as it gets, hmm? generally. Hmm? So you can, you're hungry, you bite into the fruit, it's sweet. Next time you're just as hungry, you bite in and it's bitter. Well, what then? You're disappointed. Uh, so you're trying to increase the sweets and decrease the sour, the bitters, and uh, no. So go on an even keel. If, if we're not chasing after, and we're not we're not elated by the highs of material improvement or acquisition. Hmm? If that's not our high, then the lows, which are inevitable, will also not we will not bottom out there. Hmm? We have some, and they'll be there. Hmm? So you put them in perspective. Hmm? There's something else. There's the there's the balance of yoga. This is the central idea of yoga. This equibalance, equanimity. Hmm? So you're not riding on the roller coaster hmm, of ups and downs. Hmm? You're kind of observing the ups and downs, and when the ups come, you go, okay, well, we don't accept the ups, we'll do that, that's good, and, and, and knowing the downs will come too. Sometimes you win the game, and sometimes you lose. Hmm? And how many times are you going to play? <laughs> One time you lose, and you say, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> this feels so bad. We lost. Our team lost. I can't take it anymore. Hmm? Got to retire. Hmm? Or just the prospect I might win again, and but it only lasts for so long. Hmm. So some people kind of figure this out, right? And see through it with the help of Shastra, and they take this huge step from sakama orientation to Dharma to a niskam orientation. We call them yogis, hmm. even though they're in the world and, and so forth. They're called called yogis because they're they're in the world kind of, but they're really in it with a very different orientation. The world is chasing these ups and running away from the downs and running after the ups. Hmm? That's what it's all about. So they're not doing that. So, But they're going through the various duties and so forth. So this, this is the kind of thing Krishna recommends in the Gita. Hmm? He doesn't recommend directly jnana. That's very difficult. Hmm? To go sit alone, do nothing, Meditate, think, you be introspective. This is very, very difficult. We're active by nature. Our psychophysiological makeup for, makes us active, interactive people. The world with sense objects, we're interacting naturally. So, how to do that in such a way as to not become entangled in, in them? How to re, how to remove the ignorance that I of my identification with Maya? This is with the body, with matter and mind. Hmm? This is the basic idea. There's a relationship, apparently, between myself and my body, but it's illusory. Hmm? So that's avidya, by nishkam kama, 
Kama Yoga, we get Gyan. Hmm? That's not liberation. That means major ingress of Sattva And I said in a general way, you do your Dharma, you get, get some balance. So the more you do that, hmm, you become a Brahma. And Brahma's actually interested in spiritual life, isn't he? Hmm? He's got to do something else from there. Hmm? Brahma doesn't do Varnashram in Brahmaloka to go higher. He does something else, right? And now he's doing bhakti. Hmm? Hmm? So you get enough balance that you realize this is out of balance. <laughs> Chasing after the fruits is, is problematic itself. So hmm? uh, I do the Dharma, but I'm not attached to the fruits. So that can be applied hmm? to some extent in, in, in the modern society that's um, not a Varnashram society. But either of these orientations to Varnashram, Mahabharata was rejecting here. Hmm? He says, that is external. Hmm? What he really wants to get at is, what is the Atma and its prospect? Hmm? As I said earlier, there's a metaphysical false ego and the metaphysical real ego. Hmm? And the metaphysical real ego is what he's interested in, interested in and how that can be uh, developed. Hmm? Its basic sensibility or reality is, among other things, that it's a dependent entity. Hmm? means it has something to do. Hmm? in relation to that which it's dependent upon, ultimately, Bhagwan, hmm? And that is, that is service. And that develops. So to, to, to develop that metaphysical ego, which is we are at, at the base, hmm? we're a dependent entity. There are other qualities of ourselves. We we're, we're an agent of action. We have will, in other words. Um, we have a sense of I. I know that I am. Hmm? Aham ahata is different than ahankara. Ahankara means I maker. An I is made hmm? under the influence of material nature. An I is made. Hmm? That which is made, that which is born, that will die. Hmm? So that I is a, is a created I. Hmm? Uh, that I am American, for example. That's a created I. Hmm? But there is an I am that I know I am. Hmm? Ahata. It's different than hankara. Hmm? Ahata means I know that I am. I can't do anything without a body-mind complex, either constituted of the material nature, and I function in relation to the objects of the world and have a personality, or in relation to the Sarup Shakti, hmm? then I get a body-mind hmm? constituted of Sarup Shakti, and I function in... And of course, I, that I am, is consciousness, so it's much more like the Sarup Shakti than the Maya Shakti. So the sense that you... that the body constituted of Sarup Shakti that we will attain, hmm? you can much more readily say, that's me, than it's material body. You can't say it's you at all. Hmm? Hmm? But 
the material energy and then the spiritual energy, they create a theater for the eye to perform and be a person. There's not much scope of being a person if you don't have the, the, the you can say that I am, but, but in relation to what? Hmm? We're defined in relation to something. I am because I do this. Hmm? So anyway, Mahabhu wants to go in that direction, right? Hmm? And very far what the prospect of the, of the jiva is in light of the fact that it's a serving entity by nature, and so what? And serving is the, is basically what you do in relation to someone you love. If you love them, you you, you want to serve them. Hmm? So how high that can that can go? So all this varnashram, this is way down on the ladder in comparison. It's not a bad thing. We appreciate the idea, and more so niskam karma hmm? orientation. But Mahaprabhu was starting at a much higher level. This is, this, is, this is possible for us to start at a much higher level, Basada Sangha. Hmm? The normal idea would be, okay, you, according to the revelation, you follow the religious path, jignasu, dharma jignasu, you inquire into dharma and what it's all about, and, and then you come to the point of inquiring about Brahman. Hmm? When you start thoroughly understood things, the futility of their pursuit and so forth. What am I? The experiencer of things. And then, of course, what inquiry into rasa, that is even higher thing. But Mahaprabhu allows us to begin there by our parampara. That kind that because of that kind of association is possible. It's a huge leap from where Ramananda is, is, is starting here. And rightfully, Mahaprabhu was saying, that that's not, I'm not interested. We don't want to criticize Varnashram. Mm-hmm. We just want to say, it's not the goal of life. We're not interested in it. And Krishna Bhakti, not Vishnu Bhakti even, Vishnu Bhakti, Vishnu created the world. So we do Varnashram, we stay within his world. Mm-hmm. This is a relation of the Purushas. Even Narayan is not much interested in that, a little more interested. Mm-hmm. Not the Krishna, no. Huh? Even Krishna in his Leela is following the Varnashram. Kind of. Right? <laughs> we find this, this is, his beloveds go against the Varnashram. Hmm? Even, even though while it serves as a structure for the for the bhava to express itself, they go against it. Hmm? So we've shown this, by this example, this, this is some, we're doing something else besides the varnashram. We respect it, but by the grace of sadhusanga, we have eligibility for something much, to starting much at a, at a much higher point. Hmm? Therefore, we reject. And Bhagavatam is repeatedly, repeatedly distinguishing the prema dharma hmm, and hari bhakti from Varnashram Dharma, because this, you understand the context of the book and so forth, this is the prevalent idea, the, the basic religious idea. How And it's 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 very, um, at the time, very, you know, very much, it's the whole social order. I mean, and suddenly you've got uh, village women are placed at the top 
the whole ladder of spiritual experience and and in the context of going and get, breaking the dharma in ways that they're doing a dharma this is like what are you talking about kind of a revolutionary um, idea of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? It's, it's giving some philosophy and theology to help us. So, but it's, it's making a huge. That's why I say it's the it's the ver- veritable New Testament of the Eastern Revelation. The Varnashram Dharma is like the laws, like the Old Testament. Here comes the Bhagavatam, the, the doctrine of love, and and so forth. And in, and in, in its appearance, it just, just it's um, discard dispensing with the laws and saying, hey, what, what is law without love? Love, mm-hmm. and of course it can't be readily misunderstood. So it has to be discussed, and, and, and philosophy underlying has to be explained, and so forth. But, mm, but in its time, properly understood, very revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And this is why Vyas was told, told, you know, you're not happy because you haven't come out and said this. People are not going to get it. Mm-hmm. People are going to draw from the scriptures other ideas and think that this is the goal of life and so forth. You have to come out and say it in no uncertain terms. That's what Bhagavatam is. Right at the beginning, right at the beginning of, of Sonika's speech, Atapumbe Dudasheshta Varnashramami Bhagasaha. What does it say? Sangsadi if you do the Varnashram Dharma perfectly, but you don't get a taste for Krishna, Vasudeva Kata Ruchi, he said, Shrama Ebi Kebalam, you wasted your life. Shrama Ebi Kebalam, the whole thing's a waste of time. That is wow, what a heavy statement. I was doing Varnashram. I, I thought Krishna was okay, and of course this one was okay, and that God and goddess, and couldn't sort it all out. No, you don't get a taste with the topics of Krishna. Man, you wasted your time. Very, very strong statements. So here they are being made again in a different way. In Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is, of course, the essence, the distilled essence of the Bhagavatam. So it starts with Varnashram and Mahaprabhu says, as external. Hmm? Say something more. So we'll come to that in the next discussion. Any question? Yes. Prabhupada's emphasis on Varnashram was that he felt that Prabhupada had like these really big ideas, like changing the whole world and turning it into, you know, a Krishna conscious world. And with that kind of idea in mind, compared to what it's like now, for example, with that kind of idea in mind, um, he thought that at the lowest level, hmm, the world should be changed by changing the social system, hmm, system of governance, hmm, and religious orientation. 
to Varnashram, where you would have leaders who were uh, religious and and uh, and the holidays were, you know, for uh, the saints and so forth, and and, and, he, and he had a general idea about it, and he would have, in his idea, he would have said, and we can make Christmas, you know, it's okay too, you know, because he would tell people also, you don't have to change your religion, you know, but you should, you know, the Bible says don't kill, so you shouldn't kill, you animals, you should be himsa, you know, all right, you want to worship Jesus, great, we'll do that, we'll, do, we'll have a Christmas, and then we have a John Mostomy too, and it, so he had this really broad idea, hmm? for the world in general. With that in mind, he thought the social system, if we could do it and make the whole world Varnashram, then follow follow the Varnashram system, then from there to Krishna consciousness, you know, it's it's a short leap comparatively hmm, to today's world. So he, he saw at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example, there was the Varnashram system was in place. It was we thought he thought it was this is ordained by, by, by God as a, as a um, uh, best social system, so we should try to create it. And that was a general idea. And, of course, at times he said, but it is impossible. And there are quotes like that. But it is not possible. And everybody is born as a Sudra and Kali Yuga and, and, and so on. But he, he would coming back. Another reason he would keep coming back to it is, that beca- is because... Bhaktivinoda Thakur was concerned that people were taking to uh, Chaitanya Vaishnavism in name, but not really in substance because they were doing so without real consideration of their eligibility. Hmm? And so they would take initiation and be told to go and chant 64 rounds and live in the jungle and so and they really couldn't do that hmm? so they didn't have sufficient taste in bhakti to lift them above necessity to follow varnashram so that they wouldn't commit sinful activities hmm? and so many people in the name of Gaudi Vaishnavism were committing all types of um what would you call it? Akarma. Hmm? Not even karma. Hmm? But wrong wrong activities. Hmm? And then saying, well, we, we, we're above the Varnashram, and it's parakya. Right? You know, so they would have a few a few paramour lovers, and we're giving Gaudi Vaishnavism a bad name. So he had some idea about what he called Daiva Varnashram. His idea was twofold in that regard, it would seem. One was, what was being presented, this is in India, what was being presented, this is the social structure in India, Varnashram, at the time, this was, you know, a hundred years ago, right? You have to understand, when I went to India the first time in 1970, whatever it was, 72 (laughs) or 3 or 4, in Calcutta, every man was wearing a white dhoti. The street was just crowded as anything. It's India. And it was a sea of white dhotis. Hmm. 
If you go to Calcutta today, you won't see one person, one man in a white dhoti. So what to speak of a hundred years ago? What it was like that Varnashram was much more in place and so forth, right? That's my point. So at the same time, there were people that were interpreting the Varnashram other than how it is interpreted or explained, I should say, in Bhagavatam. And in Bhagavatam, the determination, for example, of one's caste is not based on birth exclusively, but on one's actions and character and so on and so forth. And Varnashram is 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 explained as what it is rather than the all in all and so forth and and so he felt that there was a corrupted form of varnashram and so for the good of the general people we should preach the divine varnashram daiva varnashram as it's taught in srimad bhagavatam that is one thing then the other idea so that was for the general people preach against Asura Varnashram, hmm? a, a vitiated form of Varnashram where Brahmins were proud and had a religious monopoly and people were being manipulated, you know, for, um, you, for you, you know, you won't get um, the blessings if you don't give some money and have me pray for you and so forth. Hmm? So he's kind of a, a Luther. Um, you know, in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, mm. right? Mm. Complaining against the the, uh, the abuses of the church. Mm. And so um, uh, he, he wanted the real system of Varnashram to be taught to expose the Asura Varnashram on the one hand. On the other hand, he felt that there were... Dev- that, that only to the extent that devotees have faith and a taste are they really going to be able to pursue bhakti in such a way that keeps them above um, uh, the world, so to speak, and its call that might uh, bring one to do things that were adharmic. And so he had some idea of a of a creative idea of a varnashram within... Um, bhakti, but bhakti said, and he asked bhakti Siddhanta to try to come up with that. What the real heart of that idea was that we should really um, assess people's eligibility and engage them accordingly. So um, let's have a mission. He thought bhakti Siddhanta will do it like this: we'll have a mission. We'll have different engagements for people that constitutes a whole like world, if you will, of sorts. And according to the psychophysiological disposition, we'll engage them in different types of activities, all for spreading Krishna consciousness, uh, something like that. And he had a system, Bhakti Siddhanta, where um, the sudras were those who joined and left and joined and left, you know, the bloopers, those types. Those were the sudras. And... Um, the householders were the were the were the were the belly, you know, and they would they would provide for the ashram, and so it was a way of the way Bhakti Siddhanta conceived of it, and tried to give give shape to what Bhakti Minotak was talking about. It was not a varnashram the way they mix it up in ISKCON, you know, with 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 bhakti and so forth, and um, it wasn't like that, um, but. 
again, it was kind of an idea of Bhakti Vinod, the, the, the central focus of which was we should be concerned about eligibility. We don't just give people beads and say, go off and chant, because they're not going to be able to do that. So we, we, um, they should be instructed properly about the different stages of bhakti and so forth, gauged accordingly, as I say. Um, this was his idea, his idea and you know, it, 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 it had, had, had some merit experimentally to try to create a mission, and, and you know they, they did that. So Prabhupada was had heard those things, hmm? and so he wanted Daiva Varnashram, and, and often he would preach that Daiva Varnashram was was a Varnashram in which one's um, status in the social structure would be determined by quality rather than by birth. Hmm? And then some. Then he talked about it, and devotees asked him about, well, what about for devotees? He said, yeah, what should you do for devotees too? And he gave different talks and wasn't a, wasn't very conclusive or comprehensive. Hmm? And again, it was something that didn't seem even conclusive in terms of what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati talked about. We're just trying to give shape to the idea of, of, of Bhakti Vinod. But essentially, I guess, in, in essence, hmm, what was... Um, Manifest was the idea of a mission and people serving the mission, and that in consideration of their psychophysiological makeup, something like that. Um, and so, it seems to have been misunderstood by a lot of devotees, hmm? a lot of his disciples. Where again, we said the other night, they think that without doing something in Bar Ashram, right. Bhakti will be damaged or something like that, or uh, we have to follow the Varnashram here because if we don't do that. Then, but there are two different realms altogether. You do Bhakti as much as you do Bhakti. You don't have to do be concerned with Varnashram, and and Bhakti should not be covered by karma or gyan. Varnashram is about gyan, about karma, or ishkam karma, about gyan. Hmm. So a lot of them think like that that, 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 that certain aspects of Varnashram have to be done or you won't be doing bhakti or something like that. Hmm. Uh, by foregoing it, they think by foregoing that, you'll you'll go to hell. Hmm. If you let a woman become a guru, I don't know where they get that, I think you'll, you'll, you'll go to hell. Because they think it's according to Barn Ashram. Well, they think according to Barn Ashram, initiation involves giving the Brahmin thread, and women don't wear them, so how can they give them? Therefore, see? Hmm? Therefore, if you if they do that, then then then, then, then everything will go to hell. Hmm? But that's uh, um, of course. Varnashram initiation is one thing. Vaishnavism initiation is another thing. It doesn't depend on the thread. Hmm? And there have been so many... I've calculated it. There's like 30% of the, of the gurus since the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were women. Hmm? In all the different lineages and so on and so forth. So it's already you know established a long time ago. They want to ignore that, and on the basis of Varnashram, say if a woman becomes a guru, then it'll be. A, it doesn't even say that in 
I don't know, Varnashram is a certain place for women and men and duties and so on and so forth. So they mix the two up, right? Vaishnava initiation and Varnashram initiation, and I think that will be a problem. So their, their bhakti is covered by, by karma. Hmm. Um, what else? Yes. Um, I was wondering if you can talk about that verse when it says, Akama, 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 Sarvakama, Vam, Moksha, Kama, Dharadi, Tibrena, Bhakti, Yogena, Yajeta, Purusham, Param. Yeah. And the Bhagavatam says that whatever desire you have, you should do bhakti. If you have all desires, if you have no desires, if you have desire for mukti, whatever it is, you should do do bhakti. Tivrena bhakti yogina yajetam purusham param. It means by bhakti everything will be done. Everything will be whatever you could accomplish by jnana, whatever you could accomplish by karma, uh, and more will be accomplished by bhakti. So, just do bhakti. Hmm. One can do sakam bhakti. Hmm. That's better than not. One can do bhakti for, for mukti. Hmm. And you'll get mukti. The fact of the matter is, if you don't do any bhakti, then you, you, you won't get any karma either. Therefore, there is some kind of kind of bhakti in Varnashram, and it makes the whole thing work. It's not uttam bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti makes the whole thing work. Therefore, it's, it's clearly mentioned in the scripture. Without bhakti, you really can't get the fruits of karma. Without bhakti, you really can't get the fruits of gyan. You really can't get mukti. Hmm? Then if you put all that together, you go, well, maybe I should just do bhakti. For bhakti's sake, hmm. makes, that makes sense. Because hmm. bhakti is giving everything. Hmm. What if she just gives herself? What if you, what if you just get rather the things that bhakti gives? What if you just get bhakti? Where will you be then? Bhakti can give mukti. Mukti can't give bhakti. That is never mentioned anywhere. But bhakti can give mukti. So an intelligent person will think, bhakti can give mukti. Hmm. A less intelligent person will say, oh, well, I'll do bhakti then to get mukti. more intelligent person will think, if bhakti can give mukti, then bhakti is superior to mukti. Hmm. So I, rather than doing bhakti for for something... Or for get or for getting away from things, getting things, or for getting free from them. Hmm? Why don't I do bhakti for bhakti's sake? That's what it really wants to say to us. But readily we agree, bhakti for for things is better than trying to get things to varnashram. Hmm. Even there, there's a little bhakti, so figure it out. Hmm? Or if, it, if you want mukti, 
bhakti for mukti is a better idea than trying to get mukti without bhakti because you won't be successful. And ultimately we do bhakti for bhakti. What do we get? We get Radha. She's bhakti daily. What happens if you get Radha? You get Krishna. Hmm. Oh. All right, we'll stop there. Sri Chaitanya Chaitamrita Mukha Jai. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanana.